Hello people and welcome to this week's episode of The Two Halves Show. As always, I'm joined by my good friend Osama. Osama, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm good, man. How are you? Yeah, great, great, great. It's uh, It's been a big week. Um, an interesting week, actually, because we've we've got a lot of sports now um, on at the same time. We've, of course, got football, the Premier League, the World Cup's just around the corner. We've also got the NFL hitting its stride. And, of course, tonight, as you guys are listening to this on a Tuesday, the NBA finally tips off. So we've got a jam-packed show for you. And as always, we will start with the beautiful game. Uh, It's been a big week of football across Europe. We, of course, had the Champions League games in midweek. Um, We had the Premier League with a stunning game between Manchester City and Liverpool and many other great games across the weekend. And, of course, El Clasico as well. So, to start us off, uh, Sam, I want you to tell me what what was your biggest takeaway from this weekend. Uh, I'd probably have to highlight three games. Uh, two in the Prem. First one being Liverpool City. So as a Liverpool fan, I was kind of surprised as to how we set up and how we actually dominated in some aspects. One of the best teams in the world. And we got a good result. Do you think they're the best team in the world? I think on current form they are. They're I unbeaten. think they're definitely the best squad. Listen, uh, in terms of a p- players, they are probably the yeah. best squad, the best group of players, maybe even the best manager, some people would argue. For sure. But for me, I'll be honest with you, if I had to name you now, the two best performing teams off the top of my head, I'm saying Real Madrid and Napoli. They're like automatically off the top of my head, they're the two teams that stand out for me. See, like, of course, listen, they're no, a juggernaut. They're going to win the Premier League and everything, but um, I've been <laughs> so impressed with, with Madrid and no, Napoli. But carry on, carry on your point about uh, Liverpool. Yeah, no, no, honestly, I think Liverpool... They could have turned the corner against Rangers. I think confidence back. We've got goals. They're not conceding as many. So that's actually a really good thing. Do you think it can be a turning point, this game against City? Because I, I, I do. I think it, uh, it can be a big momentum booster for you yeah, guys. Yeah, I think it, it depends now whether they can push us on against West Ham, who I think they're playing on Wednesday. So um, if they get a result on that, then I think that's three wins on the trot. Confidence is up, and yeah, like it's momentum going into the next few games. And I think they finished strong just before the World Cup. Who knows? They could have a chance of challenging, but at this moment, I think every Liverpool fan would know top four at the end of season would be a really good season that they've had in terms of how we've started. Yeah, I think top four is probably the target. I think talks of challenging maybe if we come towards Christmas and New Year's and and you're looking in a much better position, it might be worth it then. But I think for now, I think the focus is definitely to just get nearer the European yeah, spots yeah, because sure. the the reality is when you look at the table it's finally taking form you've got all the top teams the top six are all they're in they're in the top five positions at the moment so I think for you guys it's getting up there yeah. before talks of, of challenging I was I was I was impressed with the game as a whole Manchester City did that thing where they they dominated the possession but but Liverpool at the end of the day just took the more took, took advantage yeah. of their ability to counter attack and I'm one of these people. I have no issue with teams counter-attacking because there are two sides to a performance, a defensive side and an attacking side. A performance isn't only judged from an attacking point of view, which a lot of people seem to, to seem to do. Do you know my, about my biggest takeaway from that game? Yeah. Alisson, I'm going to say an outrageous statement about it. <laughs> and I mean it. And mm-hmm. I think in 10 years, people look back and this will be an accepted opinion. I don't just think he's the best goalkeeper in the world right now. Ever. I think he's one of the best goalkeepers I've seen play ever. 
as a complete goalkeeper. As a complete goalkeeper, yeah. yeah he is incredible, Osama. He is genuinely incredible. At the start of the season, we talked about in one of our test episodes, the one player I would take, that Michael from Liverpool, and it wasn't Mohamed Salah, and it wasn't Van Dijk, it was Alisson. Because he transforms the way you guys play. How many times have we seen that exact same goal from Liverpool? How many times? I think looking at the stats, he has five goals three... and assists in the last three seasons. Yeah, yeah. and that's the most by any goalkeeper in the Prem, like ever. There's, there's nothing like that. Goal was the exact carbon copy of the goal you guys scored against, against us United. a couple of seasons yeah. ago. Yeah. He is elite. His sh- by the way, and uh, and they gave Gomez the man of the match. I thought Alisson deserved it because even before that, the save the saves he was making yeah. were ridiculous. And he is the complete package. He is a goalkeeper that stops shots. He is a goalkeeper that will is always consistently the top or in the top two of high claims and punches. And when you have the ability to create for your team, yeah. he's genuinely going to go down as one of the best ever. And I, I, I I'm so jealous of I him every time I watch you what, guys. What makes him a great goalkeeper is that he doesn't have to do all these fancy saves. He and makes he still him does them. so easy. Like goalkeeping is really difficult, and obviously, it's probably one of the most. It's the most criticised position uh, in the football pitch. Because, you know, if you've made a mistake as a goalkeeper, it's resulting to a goal. A striker might miss a few chances, but there's still no, like, midfielders. Yeah, or you, you can't you make a mistake as a defender yeah. or, as a, or a goalkeeper, yeah. And I think, yeah, he's... I think him and Edison now have changed the way Him how more than Edison, I'll be honest with you. Edison has qualities, but no, he, but he des- definitely has deficiencies. I don't think Alisson has no, any no, deficiencies. In, in, in terms of... They've changed how managers now view goalkeepers. Well. I don't like think they have to I don't think they've changed football. it. I think football's changed, and they were goalkeepers who benefited from it. I think the game changed, but, but I don't think they necessarily changed it. No, 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 because I I, you see other goalkeepers that do the same. Thing. Yeah, but you, you don't see, for example, I know you're going to hate me for this, but David De Gea, he's not the best at distributing the ball. Oh, why would I? I, I uh, he's he's trash. Yes, there's not many goalkeepers now. Look at Aaron Ramsdale at Bournemouth. There was no way he was touching the ball. He was just throwing it away or kicking it away. Now, goalkeepers nowadays are more, we have to be good on the ball and we have to pass the ball around. We don't want to hoof you up. Yeah, they have to be part of, of, the, of the team. Of the team. Yeah, they can't just be someone who yeah. stops. And that's my argument with David De Gea. And that's one of the reasons that I, I, I don't think he should be Manchester United's uh, number one anymore. Because for me, I look at it and there's so many goalkeepers out there that can do everything he does just as well. But they also have the, the, the other sides of the mm. game. Um, for me, the biggest takeaway, and it had some controversy mm. in um, the Liverpool game, but for me, it's the, the, the quality of refereeing in the Premier League. We need to stop saying that the best referees are in the Premier League. Uh, uh, yeah, for sure. Listen, I don't like blaming VAR for things because the reality is VAR is only a tool and it's used by the referees. If it's not working, it's not VAR that's not working. Every other country seems to have be fine with it. It's the people who are using it, and that's the referees. I look at that weekend. Now, the disallowed goal for Manchester City, I can see both sides to the argument, but the, a lot of people are going to be unhappy about it. But then I look at it, and the Manchester United game, yeah. when I look at that, and considering the week prior as well, the Everton game, the refereeing and that, and the inconsistencies across the league, it's shocking to me. Now, the... Three penalties should have been given in that game. Two to Manchester United, one for Newcastle. Varane with a horrible challenge on Callum Wilson. Mistimed. Should have given a penalty away. And then the foul by Trippier on Ronaldo. 
clear penalty for me. And then the Sancho, which was the clearest, and I know he made a meal of it, but that doesn't take away the fact that Newcastle didn't get the ball there. He literally kicked his shin. Clear penalty. Yeah. And then to top that all off, you have the issue with the free kick that wasn't really a free kick, but might have been a free kick. The it's just so unclear. Thing, yeah. And it's the inconsistencies for me. Last week, Marcus Rashford, the ball knocks off his own heel onto his arm while he was going forward anyway and he scores and it's chalked off. I'm fine with that being chalked off, but then on the same day earlier, West Ham score an identical goal hmm. and it's given just fine. It, the inconsistencies of Premier League refereeing for me is a huge red mark. I think it's the issue with VAR itself where, because there's different VAR officials, yeah, but the pro- have don't you think the views. problem is the officials, not the VAR itself? I think, v- no, VAR plays a part in it. So, for example... Yeah, v- VAR is only a tool, right? Yeah, no, exactly. But then if certain referees don't see something, so, for example, the, the Bamford incident, if the referee didn't... He saw it in the pitch, he didn't think it was anything, until VAR called him over saying, you need to look at this. No, but that, I don't have an issue with that because sometimes when you're there, you can miss some things. Well, when it's going in, in normal speed, you yeah. can miss... Uh, certain situations. I think that's the purpose of VAR to tell a referee when he's missed something. No, but how consistent is it going to be in terms of because you have different VAR officials? That yeah, but that, that's the point, isn't it? That's the point that yeah, that should be consistent. Say, no, but they need someone that has exact same rules, even though they do. But it, it's not played out in that way. Yeah, I get you. What you're saying is it's subjective. Yeah, and it, that's fine. But when it comes to refereeing, it has to be as least subjective as possible. Exactly. And that f- therefore, it goes down to the referees themselves, not the system that they're using. We don't blame the whistle. We blame the referee for when he blows it. It's the same with VAR. We can't blame them for... We can't blame the computers and the cameras. We complain about the people who are using them, who are not using yeah, them. Yeah, no, exactly. It's, it's the officials. It's not and and, and, and for me, when I... I don't understand this idea that the Premier League has the best referees in, in Europe. I, they really don't. I it's think just they've got a couple of good referees, but in terms of best referees in the world, I don't, I don't think. Uh, I don't. And, I and ag- so. again, the the conversation about VAR. This is where it's even more ridiculous to me, is because that game against Newcastle for United, VAR not existing would not have changed anything because it wasn't that they gave decisions they shouldn't have. Mm. It was that they didn't give decisions in the first place. So even without VAR, they're not going to give them decisions. Do you know what I'm saying? True. So. It's definitely something that needs to be worked on and it's very frustrating as a fan um, watching it. Uh, elsewhere, we obviously saw Karim Benzema scoring in our Clasico and as expected, he has gone on to win just as we are recording this now uh, to win the Ballon d'Or. Uh, a a much-deserved award for, for Karim. Yeah, I think there's no debate. Anyone in world football would know he was the number one choice. I think if he went to anyone else, then it would have been robbery. But I think for sure everyone knows He's deserved it throughout the last season and how he's carried Madrid and become their star man and winning the Champions League and La Liga. Maybe this guy has hit his peak at, at his later years. And yeah, like there's no other player in world football that would disagree as to why Benzema should win it. Yeah, f- for me, his his performances down the stretch in the Champions League, how is, yeah, he, he carried them through games. Mm. That That's... The level of performance that we've seen from players who have won it before, obviously Ronaldo and Messi, um, when they've won it, it's they've won it because they were the catalyst for their team to win in the Champions League, and and he's really done that. And uh, just just to kind of give him his shout out, um, a well deserved award. 
I doubt he he'll go on to win it next year as well. I think the World Cup will play a big part in who wins who, it next yeah. year, of course. But uh, well, well deserved for for Karim. Just coming back to the Premier League for a moment. Yeah, I want to take your opinion on uh, Chelsea uh, okay. and Graham Potter. Since Graham Potter's come in, they are unbeaten. They've now gone on a five-game winning streak. Yeah, they are ticking beautifully defensively. They look solid. He's reintegrated Kepper, who has looked amazing since. He's come yeah. back in. And for me, the star of the show under him has been Mason Mount. Mason Mount looks incredible. He look, I really, really like Mason Mount. I think he's incredibly underrated. And he's absolutely showing it by being Chelsea's main man this season. Yeah, I think... Um, so when he came in, a lot of people had doubts whether he could handle the pressure at a big club. And looking at it right now, I think most Chelsea fans wouldn't have thought he'd do this well in his first month or so. I think... Because they had issues in terms of conceding a lot of goals. They weren't seeing out the games. And he's come in and he's done that. And defensively now, they've had really good results where they've kept a lot of clean sheets. Uh, think about the Champions League where they've played at home and away to AC. And you'd think with AC Milan's threat this season, they'd at least go one. And Chelsea absolutely demolished him in both games. Um, you got to look at the weekend where Kepa himself, like you said, has had an outstanding game. No Chelsea fan would have thought Kepa would have, would have had a chance to come back as to performing at the level that he has been in the past couple of weeks. I think he's been outstanding in keeping clean sheets. Yeah, I, I think, especially if they are true and honest with the approach that they are taking about being patient and giving him a long time to succeed yeah. and so on, I think Chelsea could turn into a force. I, I, I love Graham Potter as a manager. I think he's absolutely elite. Uh, and I think you're right with Ke- Kepper. He took it upon himself to perform, and I think what's interesting is that he's doing it just in time for the World Cup. Spain aren't blessed with elite goalkeepers at the moment, but Kepper, if he carries this on, he can push himself into that squad. Do you think he'd get in, in there instead of David de Gea? David de Gea is not even in consideration. David de Gea is not even David de Gea is fourth choice, so I don't think it's an issue for Kepper mm. to get into the squad. You have Unai Simon, who's obviously currently the number one. The yeah. number one. Sanchez. Kepa doesn't really... I don't think that Kepa doesn't have the ability to overtake Unai Simon. Uh, and then, like obviously, you have the two players, uh, Raya and Sanchez, of course, yeah. uh, who are also part of the squad. Kepa could, could easily push his way to be part of that squad. And I think good on him for performing um, this season. I think even with Potter coming in, and I think with a lot of new managers that come in, it gives certain players that were on the fringes of leaving the club gives him another chance to show to the manager yeah play me and I'll show you what I can do and I think that's exactly one of the points where Kepa himself has gone to prove and look Mendy right now after a few mistakes I think one of them that cost them a, a goal against Leeds early in the season now Kepa's taken his chance and now Mendy's on bench yeah it sets a good precedent that if you perform you'll come into the team and I think that's a very good precedent to have across um the, the club before we uh, we move on i want to i want to quickly actually talk about something that came up last last week uh, and it's been a while probably a few days but uh, it's still an interesting talking point and that's uh, apparently Kylian mbappe requesting a move away from psg yeah. um he's obviously come out publicly um and said that that's not true but we know public announcements true. sometimes aren't, aren't the truth now Mbappe is just a very dramatic player with his situation at PSG, and he always has been. And it, it, for me, it gets to a point where I'm starting to think 
he's someone who enjoys the drama. He's someone who enjoys the talk. He's someone who enjoys having the spotlight on him. And partly, that's probably down to the ego that's been given to him, given uh, his ability and how early he's been pushed on as the next great player. Now, first of all, what do you think of the Mbappe situation? Before I, I come I come to asking you where you think he should go, what do you think of the whole situation with the whole demanding, making demands from the club and so on? I think you got to blame both the club and the player. I think the club gave him too much power in terms of allowing him to have influence in certain decisions. I think, for example, one that was said was that Mbappe wanted Neymar out in the summer so he can play more of a wide position. And yeah, like he's asked the club to sign a centre-back as well as a striker. And no player in history would demand that. Like look at Messi at Barcelona. He's never thought, yeah, I want to... He'd ask for players to improve the team, but he wouldn't specifically want players within each individual position. And then you go look at the the player himself where he wants everything to suit him. Like, it's either my way or I'm not going to be playing well at all. And it's... It's very childish, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, um, yeah. A lot of people, even I that I know, are getting tired of it. They're, they're, they're starting to question yeah, his mentality. He's, yeah. not, he's not a professional. You yeah, think that's about a good it, way of putting it. Look, look at... Uh, let's just say the comparison between him and Erling Haaland. I've never even heard anything about Erling Haaland saying, oh, I want this or I want that. He yeah, does anything his job. behind the scenes, yeah, he doesn't like, talk. It, there's nothing that, there's no package that comes with him in terms of his behaviour and issues. Whereas Mbappe, you, you hear all this nonsense behind the scenes and it's like, how long are you going to take it on for? PSG, look, they're a really good club. Everyone knows that. But how long are you going to stick by a player that wanted to leave in the summer You've offered him the most amount of money. Now he's the world's most paid athlete. And then he comes out after a couple of months or so saying, I want to leave. It's disrespectful to the club, to the fans. I, I, do you know what? I, I think a big part of his stance has been because of how he's seen that he's no longer the main man at, at PSG. He's seen Messi and Neymar performing at the highest level they have done probably yeah. for a few seasons. And he probably feels threatened by that. He feels like I was supposed to become the main man this year mm. and I haven't been allowed to be that. Now, Is if that that's true and he really does want to move, then great. And I'll be honest with you, I don't personally like his his personality that much. But for me as a player, I think he's a great player. I've I've caught criticism from a lot of friends for saying that I, I will not rate him until he does it in another league. I think that's fair personally because I don't rate the French league. I'm sure he will do it in, uh, at another league, but for me to to even mention him in the sentence of being the best in the world, I need to see him do it in in a better league. And I think that's where I kind of don't have an issue with him wanting to move because we'll see that from him. I'm sure he'll perform great, but we'll finally see no, that. I don't think any club would want him at this specific. I moment. think they will. I think they will. Which club financially can if handle? I, okay, I'll ask you the question: If you're Mbappe. Yeah, and I'm gonna name four clubs here that I believe are the ones who have the ability to sign him. Okay. Okay. I think the Mbappe signing is between Real Madrid, Chelsea, Manchester City, and Liverpool. I think. Um, I think Barcelona this time last year I would have put Barcelona in there, but because they've already got enough financial issues, I don't think they would do that. Bayern Munich are never gonna sign a player that demands the level of things that he does. Manchester United have the financial muscle, but with the owners that they have, 
they are not going to give the green light for that signing. So I think that leaves the four clubs that I mentioned. If you're Mbappe, first of all, before we come to the club side of things, if you're Mbappe, where do you want to go? I think as um, looking into it, as Mbappe is more of a Madrid fan, his first option would be Madrid. But I don't think, I don't think Madrid would take the risk on him again. Because he's first, he's disrespected the club. He's given signs as to, yeah, he wants to come over to Madrid. He wants to sign. And then he just does a U-turn and... Yeah, like how he messed them around, yeah. you mean? Like, he just disrespected him, the club, the chairman, and so on. And, sorry, the president. But you've got to take into account, even if he does go to Madrid, he's not going to be playing in, in the wide position that he asked for. That, exactly. That's, that's, that's his position. That's what... That's the biggest thing that kind of made me question everything that came out last week. Yeah. Because one of the things was he demanded that they sign a striker so he can play on the left wing. And yeah. he has been annoyed that they're not going to play him on the left wing. And it's for the reason he wants to leave. But like you said, if he goes to Real Madrid, he's Vinicius not going to be so. playing yeah. the, the, the wing position. Vinicius. Maybe Vinicius, the right wing. But a lot of people will argue Vinicius is probably better than him at the moment. But he's going to be playing that number nine position. So... That that I makes me question there. the Real Madrid right thing. Because you've got Benzema who's having a really good season. Yeah, I, I think obviously, but you have to bear in mind that in the long term, what yeah, would in, happen? In the long but term, of course. Chelsea. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, th- I'm, I, I disagree. I think Chelsea is the most likely scenario for me because of, okay. because of two things. Number one, I, like I said, I think they're one of the few clubs that will have the financial muscle to do it. I don't think okay. Manchester City would do it because they already have Erling Haaland. No, Liverpool, Liverpool have the money, but I'm not sure if that's their priority you at the moment. Because the package where even him as a player, he has to earn the highest amount of wages. Exactly, Liverpool exactly. Will never He's be, not going just to about broken the bank for Salah. Yeah. I don't think they're going to be able they're to. Not gonna, they're not going to pay a player that much. Mm. And Chelsea, for me, fits the bill perfectly because a new owner, Bowley, we already know that he likes a superstar signing from the, the moves he's been making in yeah. the summer. We know they have the financial muscle. He won't care about breaking the bank to, to pay him that much. And probably biggest of all, you could argue that they have a spot there in the number nine position that Mbappe could fit in perfectly, or the left wing position if that's where he wants. For me, Chelsea is the most realistic option. But saying all of this, I don't think he leaves. I don't think he leaves because I don't think PSG will sell him okay. for more than, for anything less than 150, 200 but million. Yeah, okay. If you say he's not going to leave, why bring this nonsense out now, just before, a couple of hours before the Champions League game? Why come out and say that? What are you going to gain from the club? They're not going to give you more money. It's attention-seeking. And I feel the fact that he made the demands public tells me that he, he might be happy to stay at PSG as long as they give him them demands. But you it's almost like a, yeah. a, pressure, a pressure situation where he's trying to pressure them into giving in to his demands. Okay, they've signed a striker. They've not signed a centre-back. Neymar's not going to leave this January. Might leave in the summer. Do you think he's going to wait until the summer for that? I don't know. It depends how he feels in the next couple of months, whether they're doing well or whether they're just doing PSG. I, th- like I think he's, he's found this perfect spot of being... He's almost found his perfect comfort zone where he knows people will gas him up. He knows people will treat him like something incredible without having to leave the, leave the comfort of league earn where he will easily put up crazy numbers. I personally don't really think that he wants to leave. I want him to leave so I can see how good he actually is. But I don't think he cares. I think he's happy to stay where he is and the money that he does as long as it's under the conditions that he wants. 
And I think that's ultimately what's going to happen. I don't think. I think Neymar and Messi are more likely to leave before he does. I think. Uh, I think Messi's contract ends in 2024 or 2023, if I'm corrected. With uh, an next summer, with, yeah, next summer. With an optional year. Um, I think Messi probably goes back to Barcelona next summer. Why would Neymar I stay, obviously isn't. I, I don't think Neymar particularly is a big fan of the whole situation. I think if Neymar had the option of going back to Barcelona with Messi, he would probably do that. I don't think that option is available though. So. Neymar, to be honest with you, Neymar's a maverick. Neymar might come summer, say I want to go back to Santos even. So uh, I, I think the whole the whole PSG thing is a drama. And today we've seen more reports out of Italy, which are bizarre that PSG want to get rid of Gaite at the end of the season and replace him with Allegri. Now that makes no sense to me when what? I see how Allegri's performing. Um, so it's just it's just <laughs> it's just, just a weird weird situation that club, and uh, we'll see how how it unfolds. Um, for me, it's interesting to see what happens with PSG post-World Cup. Because obviously, the Qatar, as the owners of PSG, after their big footballing moment with the World Cup ends, I wonder what, what happens with PSG then. It's interesting. Guys, give us your opinions on, on the Mbappe situation. If you're him, where do you go? And uh, let us know, uh, if you're a club, would you sign Mbappe? And what would it take um, for you to, to sell him if you were PSG? Also coming out from last week was uh, an interesting observation that I had, and it's it's regarding the the quality of the Europa League potentially after after the the group stages. Now we've seen the level of teams that are expected to kind of fall out of the Champions League. We have, of course, Atletico Madrid, Ajax potentially from Liverpool's group, Barcelona almost likely now. I think Inter Milan just yeah. need to get one more win to to confirm that. And potentially AC Milan if they can't pick up um, a couple of wins against Salzburg. So quality teams are falling into the Europa League while there are quality teams still in it in Manchester United, Arsenal, Roma, uh, and so on. Can you see a situation where potentially, potentially, the Europa League can have a better lineup of semi-finals and finals than the Champions League? I think possibly in terms of the big teams or the big names uh, in world football. So, for example, if you have Barcelona and Manchester United, 10 years ago, you'd have never thought two big teams such as these two would ever be in the Europa League facing one another. But I think that speaks volumes to how how elite European football at the top level is now. And, and partly, part of that, I'll be honest, is a point I've said multiple times, and, and that's that the Champions League lets in too many weak teams for me. I would I would rather see the Champions League taking a lot more teams from the, the, the better divisions so we can see higher quality football. And I know that's a controversial opinion with the Super League and so on. Yeah. But what it does do, at least, is make the Europa League worth watching and worth you know, following. Because if we have a situation where, let's assume... By the way, I don't think that it would mean it's a better quality than the Champions League. I do think that the Champions League still will have the better teams. But if you have a semi-final lineup of Arsenal... Barcelona, Manchester United, Atletico Madrid. That's an elite, elite no, no, that semi-final. Is a, it is. Three of them teams were in the semi-final of the Champions League 10 years ago. So, like, you're talking about a very high quality of football at the Europa League, and that just enriches it, I think. You've got to bear in mind that it just shows how big and how massive the Champions League is currently right now in terms of Teams like these, so for example, Barcelona, Ajax, Atletico Madrid, Atletico Madrid, they're dropping out with such ease. And who would have thought Club Bruges would have made in? And that's why I think 
I have to disagree with your point where you think it has to be the best teams within the best yeah, league. Yeah, but Club Rouge would be part of that as the winners of their of their of their league. I'm just saying I don't think it should be extended to teams, for example, like Sheriff last year or like Shakhtar Donetsk. No, no, no Shakhtar Donetsk are, are quite a big team. To be fair, there are there are a lot of teams. And listen, no disrespect to these teams, but I'm just saying it from a fan point of view. You know, teams like Victoria Pilsen. Would I rather have Arsenal or Victoria Pilsen in the Champions League? Then they've done really well in the season. Arsenal haven't, so you can't just take in. You can't take into account. You just got to think Champions League only. You have to think no, about. But, but the quality. Them and the league. Yeah, but who's a better team, Victoria Pilsen well, or sure Arsenal? It's Arsenal. Everybody yeah, knows that's Arsenal. the point. I'm saying if we want to paint the Champions League as the greatest club competition, which why is, why don't we have the greatest clubs in there? Very simple. It's because the competition is too hard for the for the great clubs to make it in. But, but you want to take leeway in terms of allowing the Premier yes, League to have five, six. Yes, yes. Six teams. Six yeah, teams exactly. from the Premier League. <laughs> What's the point six of Six teams from the Premier League. Five does, teams from La Liga. But then does, does that make That's the Premier League... That's for me what, what, it should, what should happen. But does that make the Premier League, Premier League more competitive? Yes. No. Yes, it does. Because then you have teams like West Ham who will try and push for them top six teams. It will, it, will, it will stop it being a top six and it will make the whole league as a whole better because more teams will think they have access to them spots and will do better to reach them. Think about it like this. Two seasons ago, when Arsenal finished eighth twice, you wouldn't have had them in it. You would have had Wolves, I believe, or Leicester instead. So I disagree with the fact that it makes the Premier League less competitive. I want the best quality playing in the best competitions. And like I said, it's an, it's an unpopular opinion, I know, but the, the, the good side of it, it does make the Europa League more exciting. And I'll be honest, as a Manchester United fan, it's not great because... I think Barcelona, if they do drop down, they are easily the favourites to win it. I've got to disagree. I think Arsenal, I've got to give them a shout out. They've performed real well this season. But for me, Barcelona would still be Arsenal. They'd beat United. I'm not saying this is kind of from a biased of point of view. Players, yeah. Barcelona are very good. They've underperformed in the Champions League, but they, they were top until last weekend in La Liga. They, they still have high quality players. They still have probably the best striker in the world playing for them. So... I think it, it makes it interesting and uh, I look forward to seeing how, how these teams perform once we get to the other side of the year. I think we'll leave it there with the football. Like we said, uh, absolutely jam-packed and it's not going to slow down anytime soon. Of course, we have the double header this week with the midweek games and the weekend games. The World Cup just around the corner, as we said, and uh, it's going to be a great time. But for now, Usama, tonight, as you are listening to it, um, tomorrow as we are recording it, the NBA finally tips off with the 76ers taking on the Celtics and the Lakers playing the defending champions Warriors. It's been an interesting off-season. We've seen a lot of interesting moves by a lot of teams. We've seen Pat Beverly go to the Lakers. Russell Westbrook still at the Lakers but wants to move, it seems. We've seen the drama with Draymond and Poole. We've seen John Wall go to the Clippers. Who's your favourite in each conference? Like, who do you think is the team that we should be looking out for uh, in both the West and the East to to make it to the finals? I think for me, I have to go. I've got to say the Clippers. I think now they've got a really solid team in terms of having Paul George back to his best at the end of last season, where he showed that. You've got Leonard coming back in after his long term injury, and you've got to also take into account John Wall. I think is a really good sign for the team. 
And I think they're going to push really far within the conference itself. I think in terms of the other side, then you also got to give a shout out to Bucks, which I think they're just going to do really well. As do you they think always they're going to regain their, their position? I, th- the I think looking at the off-season and looking at Giannis himself, he's hungry again to win the ring. And he has everything within the team to do so. So I think those two are probably my biggest shout-outs or best teams that I think that would do really well. Who do you think? I like that. I like, I like, I like your way of thinking. I, I'll be honest, I didn't expect you to say the Clippers, but I do agree with you on that. I think the Clippers have quietly moved themselves into the, a position of contending because yeah. the way I look at it is they've had a season without Kawhi and Paul George from the most of the season he played at the start. I uh, wasn't there at the end, but he, them, them two alone already made them contenders. Yeah. And John Wall, of course, John Wall's had his issues. He hasn't played for a year and a half or so, mm. obviously with the Rockets uh, and the contract issues he had there. But he still provides them with a an extra element that can only work in their favor. Yeah. At the end of the day, if it doesn't work out, you can make him a bench option or you could try and trade him. But as a name, we know what he's done in the past. We know what he can provide to a team. I have them as my closest challengers or maybe even the favorites in the West okay. up against the Warriors. So I, I agree with you on that one. Uh, an interesting team for me to keep a lookout for um, in the West is definitely the Timberwolves. I want to see how Anthony Edwards progresses this season. I want to see if he takes that next step in his okay. progression to, to kind of push his team towards becoming more of a contender. In the East, um, I like the Bucks. Listen, the Bucks have Giannis, like you said. He's getting to his peak. In my opinion, the best player in the world. But for me, the most interesting one okay. is the 76ers. I really want to see what they do this season. With Listen, Joel Embiid, as always, he's going to play at a level of an MVP. Maybe he's able to even consistently do it to a point that he wins the MVP this season. But then I look at Harden. We know what Harden can do at his best, and he hasn't done it for a couple of seasons. Because of physical issues, he's put a lot of weight on. We've seen him get injuries and so on. But then you look at him at the offseason, he's lost a lot yeah. of weight. He's got yeah. back in shape. He can be a very good weapon for them. I'm genuinely, genuinely interested to see how they perform. I don't know whether I'd put them as my favourites, but I'm interested to see how, how they do this season. Yeah, I've got to agree with you in terms of the 76ers. I think I'm really interested to see how they're going to progress this season. But I think you also got to take into account there's another few teams where you'd think it could do well. The Suns, past couple of seasons, have done really well. And then you also got to remember You've got the likes of the Warriors who, yeah, they've had the issues in the in the offseason with Poole, like you said, but they've still got enough quality within the squad to progress to where they were last season. And I yeah, the possibly they could do it. The interesting thing with Draymond is definitely that if they are able to trade him, in my opinion, if they can get a package together... Do you think they trade him? Yeah, I think they would. I think if, they, if the possibilities came up to trade Draymond, I think they would rather trade Draymond then have him take up the option um, of, of renewing his contract for another year. Um, I think if they're looking to the future, if I think if they can do a package of, of Draymond Green and maybe one or two of the young pieces like Kaminga, I think they can definitely try and get a piece that can be productive for them. I think that is probably the storyline going into this first half of the season. I don't, know. I don't think it's the best time for them to actually do a deal so close to when the season's actually starting. 
I, I, I disagree. I, I don't think they, they're happy to give him, especially when you can get something better. But it'd be interesting to see if, if the incident has affected their, their team chemistry and, and how it affects the results going forward. I don't think it would really affect the results. I think they will act professional about the whole thing and, and perform. So, um, yeah, I, I, listen, I can't wait for everything to tip off tonight. It's, it's going to be an amazing season for sure. As always, there's going to be plenty of storylines. And of course, we'll be bringing you all of that. If I was to ask you for your early MVP, who who are you giving me as your early MVP? I think um, a lot of people might disagree, but I'm going to stick to KD. I think him staying in the summer um, Ooh, interesting. just showed you've got the likes of him and Kyrie now, we're all hoping as neutral fans to actually play well together. And they've shown glimpses that they can. And yeah, you've got them three in terms of KD, Kyrie, and hopefully now a lot of Brooklyn fans are waiting to see Ben Simmons in action. And yeah, a couple of years ago, he was probably one of the best young defensive players. And you're hoping that he brings that with him to Brooklyn and actually helps the team progress forward and challenge for the actual ring. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how, how that chemistry works between them three. I think Ben Simmons, given the offensive play of the other two, can be a valuable piece. I think that's definitely a trifecta to look out for. The question marks for me is less about Ben Simmons and more about Kyrie and his how dedicated he is to the team. So we'll see how th- how that happens. If I was to give my Who's, early contender yeah. for, for for MVP, I'd say Joel Embiid. I think we've seen Joel Embiid perform at an MVP level in the last few seasons until injuries get in the way. And if he is able to do that this season without getting injured, I think that'll be a sight to behold. And I think if he does that, it would mean that the 76ers are definitely moving in the right direction of. So do you I, think I, you have I, a good enough team for him to push the I ground? do. I, I do. I do think so. I, I think, and him as a talent, he elevates them. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm really, even last season with Harden struggling, for example, we've still seen Joel Embiid put in a lot of big numbers uh, and amazing performances. So um, it'll be interesting to see how how that develops. Um, guys, give us your comments on who you think will will win the chip this season and uh, who your MVP pick is for the 22-23 NBA season. Osama, thank you for joining me this week. As always, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Oh, it's been an honour to be here. Uh, and thank you guys for listening and tuning in to the Two Half Show this week. As always, your support is appreciated. Uh, be sure to like, comment uh, and subscribe. Share the podcast as well and we will be seeing you next week for an all new show where we review a doubleheader weekend in the Premier League. Thank you guys and have an amazing week. Until then, keep it locked.